0: boys and girls two-footed podcast on thursday the 30th of june brought to you by eplindex.com and our present presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things you're geoblocked from while also keeping your data safe so check out libertyshield.com and use the code epl25 epl25 to get 25 percent off at checkout we're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 25% off. Right, folks, I know we're very late today, and this is going to be a short podcast because time constraints, my day got... Completely screwed up and we have very little time. But I wanted to get something out because that's what we do here. Um, Did you ever just get a phone call that completely ruins your day? I got that phone call this morning. Nothing serious happened, but just something that has completely ruined my day. Anyway, it's questions. It's a bit of news. We'll get straight in. Uh, Jane Easy for Sheezy. Quick statement, then a question for the pod. The US under 20 squad has been playing matches. And Paxton Aronson has been a star, the younger brother of Brendan, obviously, and he's on a similar trajectory. So I have heard of Paxton Aronson before he plays for Philadelphia Union. I've seen him play a few times in MLS. He does look very, very talented, 18 years of age, similar to his brother, plays wing, plays as an attacking midfielder. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw His name linked with Leeds United in the next 12 months. If his brother does well there, don't be surprised if they try and bring in Paxton as well. Both because of his own talent and also to keep the brother happy and keep him there. But yeah, Paxton Aronson, a name coming to Europe quite soon, I would imagine. Uh, Okay, say the transfer fee is the same. Jude or Barella, who's the better fit? Immediately, Barella is the better fit because he's the better player right now. And the gap between them is fairly sizable. Nicola Barella is one of the best midfield players in the world right now. Jude Bellingham's a young prospect who's still finding his feet, still developing and still trying to figure out what type of player he is. If the transfer fee was the same, though, I would take Jude because he's seven years younger. Um, and that to me is a, is a big, big factor here. When you look at Barella, He's actually he's only 25, so he's six years older than Jude. So he is getting close to his peak years. So you're going to get maybe five really good years with him. Potentially four of them could be great, but five really good years. With Jude, you're looking at a decade of really good years. And again, maybe four of them could be great years in his peak. So I think in terms of that t- sort of value, Jude makes more sense and even if it's a case where the price on Barella is 70 million which is where I'd estimate it to be and you can get Jude for 100, 105 I do think I would still lean towards Jude Bellingham as the one to bring in on the basis that you're getting that longevity Jude Bellingham can be the foundational stone of your midfield for a decade plus With Barella, like I say, five, six years, eventually he's going to want to go back to Italy anyway. And I I think Jude just makes more sense. I I do think he makes more sense. Like I say, Barella, in terms of how Liverpool play, Barella with his ball-winning ability, how good he is as a presser, how dogged and determined he is, the fact that he can lift people up and carry them i think those type of things stand out as traits that would fit well in this liverpool team with jude it's a ball of clay you can mould him into whatever you want so if you want to go 4231 he can be your 10 in the short term and eventually play in a double pivot he can play in a double pivot within 12 months if you put that work in with him to develop in that role he can obviously play right side of the 3 if you wanted to play a midfield four, you could see Jude playing a narrow right side in that. Borella is more suited to the 4-3-3. Right now, as that right side at eight, Borella's is the better fit. But Jude, I think the flexibility, the longevity, and the ability to make him whatever you want. You're buying Borella for what he is. You'd be buying Jude for what you can turn him into. Uh, I would go with Jude Bellingham personally. And I love uh, Nicola Barella. I absolutely love him. Uh, sports Lens. Who would be in your top 10 football Mavericks? Okay. Higuita or George Campos would be your goalkeeper. Um, uh, or Chiliver. Uh, I would probably go George Campos because of the kits. That man wore fruit pastels for his career. Um, in defence... You don't get a lot of Maverick defenders, it must be said. David Luiz is probably a bit of a Maverick. Um, I think Joel Matip has a bit of the Maverick. Are we talking personality or playing style, though? Let's look at attackers, because it's just easier. And you asked for 10, not a team. So let's look look at attackers. Uh, George Best would be one, without question. Ronaldinho would be one. Uh Jalmina would be one. Mario Balotelli would be one. Gaza would be another. I think David Ginola would be one. What are we up to now? About five, six. Um they tend to be creative, inventive playmaker types for the most part. Antonio Cassano. Would be one, uh, very much fitting that mold. Um, I would say Vampeda or Vampeta, the Brazilian midfielder, was, at, was he at Inter? He was definitely at PSG for a while. Uh, JJ Acosta would very much be in this mold as well. Um, I'm not sure if that's 10, but that's a short list anyway. Uh, How can football increase its popularity in regions where it isn't as popular? So for example, India and the USA. Well, a big thing with the USA is holding major events there. So the 1994 World Cup obviously did massive amounts to grow the sport in the US. And I think the 2026 World Cup will do similar in the U.S. and in Canada. Mexico's football mad anyway, but in the U.S. and Canada, where there are a lot of other sports played, basketball, baseball, ice hockey, obviously, American football, a major event like the World Cup absolutely can do a a massive job there, as well as the likes of pre-season tours from major clubs. In terms of India, who don't have the infrastructure to hold a major event like a World Cup, You could hold smaller tournaments, pre-season tournaments, where you bring in three or four massive teams. So if you were to hold a pre-season tournament in, in India with, let's say, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester United and AC Milan or Barcelona or Liverpool or whoever, that would, I think, bring a lot of attention to the game. It's going to be difficult in England, in India, rather, to to grow the sport, and it's a shame because it's obviously such a massive population there. But with cricket being so incredibly popular, it feels like anything else would only ever be second place. And I don't know that the likes of FIFA would ever really look to go into an area where they don't feel like they can grab a huge share of the market. What will be your 11 of the best failed football wonder kids? Chris Kirkland will be my goalkeeper. Injuries harpooned his career. Um, Jack Wilshire would be in midfield. Freddie Adu would be on the wing. Failed one. Neil Lampty would be up front. I think Franny Jeffers would be up front as well. Not that he was a wonder kid necessarily, but he was compared to the likes of Fowler and that when he was young. So I put him in and Arsenal paid a lot of money for him as a kid. Jermaine Pennant would be on the other, other wing. He was superbly talented when he was um, making his way at Notts County, but it just it never translated to senior level. Um, Jan Enviat would be another one in midfield. He should have been the, the next great French midfielder. didn't work. He was, at the time, what Chouameni is now, and it just never worked. Um, he made some very poor decisions that... Damaged his career, damaged what people thought of him. Um, looking at defenders now then. Titus Bramble, when he was 18, really did look like he could develop into a great defender. And it never happened. I think Ramagnoli, currently at AC Milan, or about to leave AC Milan on a Bosman potentially, I think he goes into this list. He was supremely talented and it just didn't develop who was an outstanding holding midfielder when he was a young player, really did have everything to his game when he was at Ajax, when he broke into their first team, Um, but seemed to get some really bad advice. Went to Wolfsburg. It was a disaster, and it's been a disaster since. He's now at Vietas Arnhem. I think he plays centre-back most of the time, so we lob him in there. And... We might just go a back three. We might put Ryan Babel in as well, because when Liverpool signed Ryan Babel, they signed him and Torres in the same summer. And the common view was Torres is the better player now, but Babel is the more talented one, and Babel might be the next Thierry Henry. And let's look at how that worked out. Um, yeah, that would be my team. Um, last question he has here if you're an owner of a football club which current club would you try to emulate uh, Liverpool Liverpool without question I would invest heavily in recruitment I would have too many scouts too many analysts and I would heavily focus investment there to try and find the type of talent that the way Liverpool do I would spend a bit more than they do. Um, I wouldn't leave them short year on year, but Liverpool are the team I would look to emulate without question. I think they're the smartest run club in football right now. When you look at what they spend on players and what they spend on wages compared to, say, remember as well, Liverpool, when they released their wage bill, Liverpool's wage bill is everybody at the club. So from the CEO down to the fellow who empties the bins, whereas with City, it's only the playing staff and the coaching staff. Everybody else is taken care of by the City Football Group. So they they operate differently. Liverpool's wage bill, while it might look like it's similar to City's, is probably multiple hundreds of million per year lower than Manchester City's. Because all of City's all field stuff, all their recruitment, all their medical staff, All their analytics staff, the non-first team coaching staff, the non-first team playing staff, none of that is on their books. That's all City Football Group because their contracts are with City Football Group, not Manchester City. So um, Liverpool are actually paying substantially less on wages. They obviously spend a lot less on transfers to the city, and yet they compete with them year on year. So I I would look to be in the same ballpark as Liverpool. Now, a big part of that is having to com- to grow your commercial department. So, again, speculate to accumulate. Go and find the very best people in all departments and pay them. Overpay them if you have to. And then you start to see a return on your investment. Um, right, let's see. Fact: 1977. A couple of weeks back, you slotted all the World Cup teams into the English League. You chose 13 for the Premier League, 13-14 for the Championship. Can you play out the season? Who wins each league? Oh, God. Who are the top three Premier League teams? Okay, Um, So the the Premier League... uh, the countries I picked that would be Premier League caliber: Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Croatia, England, France, Germany, Netherlands, Portugal, Senegal, Serbia, Spain, and Uruguay. I would say that the the top three in the league: Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. I think Liverpool and City are better than any of the international teams, and I don't even think it's close. Every international team is going to have a weak point. Like, you even look at the great Spanish team that won three international tournaments in a row. Look at who their fullbacks were Cap de Villa, fairly average. Arbaloa, fairly average. There's always a weak point in a national team. There's, there's rarely been, maybe never, been a perfect international team. I would say the closest that I've seen is probably the 96 German team. But they still had Freddy Bobic as one of their strikers, or Oliver Bierhoff, or Stefan Kunz, up front next to Klinsmann. You know? The goalkeeper wasn't great either. So you've got weak points, whereas you look at Liverpool, you look at City, there's maybe one weak point in each, but those teams can hide them a bit better because the quality, I just think, is better. I think City would win that. Liverpool would be second. Would Chelsea be better than France? France are the one national team that probably could put together a team without a weakness but no, well, they couldn't because goalkeeper I mean if Mike Mannion is in that's fine if it's Lloris that's a weak point and there's not a really good French right back so they're going to have a weakness somewhere but France I think could finish third in the Premier League which two teams would be relegated um Serbia and a Premier League team. Serbia and a league club team. Uh, Which two championship teams would be promoted? Um, I think it would be two club teams. I don't think any of those national teams that I said were championship level, which would be Cameroon, Canada, Denmark. Ecuador, Ghana, Japan, Mexico, Morocco, Poland, South Korea, Switzerland, Tunisia, and USA. Again, they all have stars, but there's many more weak links in those teams. Um, I I think a championship team, I think the the club sides would grind their way to success. AMK 2889, with West Ham being known as the Academy of Football. I've put together an 11 with subs of what I think could be the best team of players who came through the West Ham Academy, but eventually left and found success elsewhere. Let me know what you think of my picks, and please change any players you like, and feel free to mess with the formation as well. I did struggle with picking a keeper. Also, please note that some of the players never made an appearance for the Hammers, but did come through the Academy and had some success. I know Rice is still there. I think most of us are confident he'll still leave, or he'll leave soon. Uh, After you've made your changes, tell me how successful this team would have been in the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. So the team is Nigel Spink in goal. Marvin Day is the backup goalkeeper. I I couldn't argue with that. I think that's right. Um, Glenn Johnson, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, is that Kieran Richardson? I think it is Kieran Richardson. Uh, Michael Carrick, Grady Deengana, Ray Houghton, Joe Cole, Frank Lampard, and Jermaine Defoe. Uh, that's a team of twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Oh no, sorry, it's not. It's four, five, one. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a team of eleven. Uh, I would put Paul Ince into that team. I would move Deengana to the bench. I would have Houghton one side. Cole, Houghton right side, Cole left side, Lampard behind Defoe, in St Carrigan midfield. I forgot John Terry was that. Jesus, that's... He would have been so much more suited to West Ham, wouldn't he? Um, He was definitely was 15. So... Let me see. Yeah, him and him and Rio overcrossed in that Academy for a couple of years. But he would have Rio was a couple of years ahead of him. Rio's two years older, so they wouldn't have played together. Um I feel like someone's missing, but I can't think who it is. Obviously, you've got Declan Rice on the bench, and that's fine. Um he's not as good as Carrick, he's not as good as Ince was. Ray Hetman on the right, Joe Cole on the left, Lampard behind Defoe. Mark noble is is missing from the academy as mark uh, from the bench as as Guy points out, uh so we'd add guy. I probably would go four, two, three, one with it. um it'd be a narrow four, two three one obviously with Houghton. oh no, well, yeah, he was at the Arsenal Academy as well, and then he was in West Ham's academy uh was Mark noble. um yeah, I'd go four, two, three, one, let the full backs bomb forward. Carrick can drop in between the center backs or or one side. Ince can do his thing. Houghton and Cole will play narrow. Lampard supporting Defoe. It's a good team. It's a mid-table team. Tony Cotty. Uh, did he come through the West Ham academy? And then went to Everton and went back, didn't he? Is this that? What, am I right with that? Yeah, he did. He, yeah, West Ham, Everton, West Ham. Um. And then he played for a few others as well. I would say. Let me see. I mean, if we're going to go way back, obviously, we'd be including the likes of Bobby Moore, who came through their academy, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, Sir Trevor Brooking. These players would obviously be included, but we're only looking at sort of the last 30 years or so. Um, Grant McCann was a, a good player. He could he's worthy of a mention here. Um James Tompkins for a bit of centre back depth. Still playing Premier League, decent player. I like that you've got Reese Oxford there. So a couple of these new ones that have come through. Ben Johnson, I like Connor Coventry's a talent. Um, But we'll go with the team you've left. Uh, We'd include Mark Noble on the bench, and we'd drop Dean Gannon to the bench for in in the team. Um, Where would they finish? I would say in the 90s, they probably would have been sixth, seventh, that kind of of range. Um, They probably would have been that kind of range anyway, to be fair. Maybe even pushing for Champions League, because you've got a really strong spine. Your weak points, obviously, goalkeeper Nigel Spink was, was good, but not great. Glenn Johnson was bang average, and Kieran Richardson was bang average. Um, I would say they would be uh, a Europa League-caliber team. Similar, I think they'd be similar enough to what West Ham are now, because the issue is You've got no depth. I mean, you've got you've got Rice, that's great, and you've got Reese Oxford to step in at centre back, but you've got nothing else really. You've got Junior Stanislas. Um, so the lack of depth, like the current team, would would kill them. Um, someone asked whatever happened to Reese Oxford? He's playing very well for Augsburg in the Bundesliga. Was very disappointed that his career didn't go the way it should have. But I think West Ham handled him quite badly. Um, Chris Colby, with the discussion about Todd Bowley's thoughts on player acquisition, what are some trades he could make for that could make sense for West Ham for Chelsea rather? Sorry, for Chelsea. <coughs> so I thought Lukaku for Arturo was a swap that made sense for everybody, but obviously that one didn't didn't come to pass. Um, I mean, it's tough because would look if the players were if the players' opinions didn't matter, I think Timo Werner to Everton would make sense, Timo Werner for Richarlison or Timo Werner for Rafinha, because I think Timo Werner could make sense under Jesse Marsh at Leipzig. Um, there's not a whole lot of players there that you would get rid of who would bring real value. I mean, could you talk Norwich again, if players opinions didn't matter, could you talk Norwich into some sort of swap deal where they take Loftus cheek and you get Max Aaron's as your backup back up to um, Rhys James, that kind of thing that could work. Maybe Kepa, could be used in some sort of swap deal to bring you back a better backup goalkeeper. So, like, Kepa would start for a lot of clubs, but the clubs he would start for are generally more mid-table kind of clubs. So, you know, that's kind of the area you'd be looking to send him to. Um, so could you do, like, say, I don't know, Kepa... Could you do Kepa to Brighton for Sanchez? I'm not a big fan of Sanchez, but I think stylistically he suits a bit better at Chelsea instead of uh, instead of Kepa as the backup to Mendy. I'd need to put more thought into that. That's an interesting one. I might I might come back to that next week and maybe look at some fun trades including a number of other teams. Uh, Isaac Gilding, you've mentioned a couple of times that you like the look of Schumacher, whose name I butcher every time. Schumacher, Schumacher, whatever it is. He's a really talented young player. At Sassuolo, what team might he be a good fit for? What do you think his ceiling is? Again, if his opinion didn't come into it, he'd be great for Everton replacing Calvert-Lewin, but I think he's potentially better than Calvert-Lewin. he could be really good for Newcastle if they wanted. If they're looking at Calvert-Lewin, they'd be better off buying him. Um, who'd he be good for? See, if West Ham had wide players who crossed a bit more, I could see him fitting in a Moyes team because he works very hard. He's got really good hold-up play and link play. But he needs good service from wide areas. He would score a bundle at Liverpool. With Trent and Robertson, he'd score a bundle. He'd score a lot at Chelsea. With with Chilwell and Rhys James, I think he'd do very well at Chelsea. Um, again, Arsenal don't offer elite sort of delivery. Neither do Leicester. If Brighton were to retain Cucurella and lampty he could fit there. With him as the nine and then, say, Mopé and Troussard playing off him, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, in terms of top teams, Liverpool would be the one. He'd score. You could even play him with Darwin Nunes, and I think it would work with the service he'd get. Um, what do you think his ceiling is? I think he can become a top five striker in the world. I genuinely do. I just think he's an outstanding player. I really do. And I think he's got the drive to do it as well. He just doesn't just have the talent. He puts in the effort as well. Um, as we're on a shortened schedule today, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, it's just the gossip. It is a short one today. Very, very short by my standards. But... Uh, needs most. So I will see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So it looks like Richarlison is edging closer to his move to Tottenham. He's had a medical today in Brazil um so that one looks like it's done fee is agreed it's just a matter of working out the specifics of the uh, add-ons so that's good news for spurs though clement Langley, not so good news uh if they're spending their center back budget on richarlison i think that's quite questionable uh lukaku is delighted to be back at Inter says that he missed it the entire time he was away. That must be great to hear for Chelsea, who paid him fortunes for the last twelve months. Uh, it does look like Chelsea. Did I say Richardson to Spurs or Chelsea? It's Spurs. It looks like Chelsea are the ones who will land Rafinha. It looks like he is on his way there. And I, like I said yesterday, I think that's a really good signing for them. I think it's one that makes sense. Um, so I, I can't see I can't see how it doesn't work. Now there is some scuttlebutt that maybe maybe Barcelona are back in the mix for him, and it looks like it's going to become to come down to Barca or Chelsea. Um, Guy is right. Actually, I missed this when I was talking about Mavericks. Diego Maradona is the ultimate football maverick, so add him in there as well. Um, There's not a whole lot else. It's all very quiet at the minute. It is the quiet before, or the calm before the storm, I expect. The uh, African Player of the Year shortlist has been announced. Uh, there's a lot of players on here. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, Bertrand Traore, Blatty Toure, Edmund Tapsopa, Zambo Angisa, Carol Toke-Ikambi, Vincent Abubakar, Yusuf Magama, no, Changama, uh, Frank Kessie, Sebastian Haller, Mohamed Abdel-Munim, Mohamed, Abdel Muneem, Mohamed El Neni, Mo Salah, Mohammed Al Shawani, El Shaweni El Musa Barrow, Nabi Keita, Hamari Traore, Yves Basuma, Ashraf Akimi, Sofian Bufal, Yaya Jabran, Yassin Beno, Moses Simon, Edward Mendy, Khalidu Kulabali, Nampalis Mendy, Sadio Mane, Salusis, and Ali Malul. Uh, I think Sadio Mane is the clear, clear favourite to win that award. And I would be stunned if anyone other than Senegal won National Team of the Year. Um, So, yeah, I would say Sadio Mane should be considered a very strong favourite for that award. Uh, Mark Klattenberg, former Premier League referee, known for having a Range Rover with the personalised number plate, Klatsch. Uh, He is going to oversee refereeing in Egypt. He has been appointed head of Egypt's newly created refereeing committee. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, Himself and Howard Webb really have worked. uh, Both were terrible referees in the Premier League. It wasn't that they were terrible. They were very egotistical. They were better than what we have now. We just didn't appreciate them enough at the time. Howard Webb obviously was taking handles from Fergie. That's libel. I didn't really mean that, so shush. Um, Webb went to Saudi Arabia, worked there as head of refereeing. He left in 2017 and Clattenburg took over. Webb obviously is strongly linked to come back to the Premier League and replace Mike Riley as head of the PGMOL, uh, which probably means that Clattenburg will replace him in a few years doing that as well. On to the gossip before I get myself in trouble. Tottenham are in talks to sign Clement Langney. No, please don't. He's awful. Uh, Spurs are also hoping to agree a fee with Charles, and we've just been over that. Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal will hold talks with Torino over Glace and Bremer. He makes no sense for Arsenal. Don't really like the fit for Spurs because in a th- he's only really good in a three. He's not good in a two. He's he's too wild. He's too rash. But he's really good in the middle. Of a three. But he's really aggressive in that role as well. And I don't think he's a great fit for Spurs next to Romero, because both of them will abandon ship to go and take care of stuff. And it leaves a lot on somebody else to cover in behind. Um he, he would make sense for Chelsea if they're staying with a back three, but I don't feel like they are. It's 90 minute.com, so it's almost certainly garbage. You see the type of people that they employ. Most of them wouldn't know their arse from their watch, so I'd imagine this is garbage. Uh, Tottenham want to bring in Purvis and, and no, they, no, they don't. Stop lying. Uh, Manchester, so this is from Goal, right? And all he's done is he's ripped off a really bad report that came out of, oh, it's actually the same guys, a really bad report that came out of South America last week that had no sourcing to it at all. Manchester United are close to a deal for Frankie de Jong. But he has told the two clubs he does not want to leave the new Camp. Well, they're not close to a deal then, are they? Alternatively, De Jong is now open to joining Manchester United. Uh, that's from The Guardian, who would probably be a better source than Sport. Uh, Liverpool turned in an opening bid for Nico Williams, believed to be £11 million plus Maddons. They want 15 Forrest will be back with a second bid. West Ham are to activate the 34 million release clause of Arnaud Danjuma. The release clause, I don't think, is 34 million, but they're not doing the release clause, but they are close to agreeing a fee. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not they can do personal terms then. Borussia Dortmund will only accept offers over 103 million for Jude Bellingham. Uh, I'd imagine they'll take a little bit less personally. Everton are to open talks about a new long term contract with Jordan Pickford. Tying yourself into mediocrity, you love to see it. You love to see it. What do you do when someone is underperformed year on year? You reward that underperformance. And I don't care that he had a good end to the season. Look at the start of the season. Uh, Arsenal have made a third offer to Ix for Lissandro Martinez. The, he is ideal for them. He's a better fit for them than he is for United. Um Leicester midfielder Yuri Telemans is also a target for Manchester United. Uh, please tell me they're not going to play Yuri Telemans and Frankie De Jong in any kind of midfield together, because that would be a disaster. Manchester United and England goalkeeper Dean Henderson will have his loan confirmed to Nottingham Forest once he completes a medical this week. That is a good signing for Forest. Very very happy with that one for them. Uh, Portugal midfielders. Portugal midfielder Joe Matinho's future at Wolves is in doubt. He wants a two-year contract, but they're only offering him a one. If he is the difference between Ruben Neves staying or going, give that man a five-year contract if you have to. Southampton are considering a move for Levi Colwell. Leicester are also interested, in with the teenagers ready to seek a fresh challenge if there is no prospect of Blake breaking the Blues side, Chelsea will massively regret that if that happens. Massively regret that. Uh, Brentford have made a bid worth up to 20 million for Keen Lewis Potter of Hull City. Very talented player. They did try hard to sign Brendan Johnson in January, if you remember. Uh, Johnson's no longer available, so it makes sense that they would pivot to Lewis Potter, who's a talented player. Two unnamed Premier League sides are interested in signing Nigeria striker Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, They are Everton and Newcastle. They don't need to be unnamed. They're Everton and Newcastle. Arsenal have held talks with Jack Wiltshire as the Gunners look to fill their under-23 and under-18 head coach positions. I mean, there's very few people that I've... Very few ex-pros that I've heard talk about football who have impressed me less than Jack Wiltshire. Very few. Is he retired? I didn't know he'd retired. Um, I would have assumed he would have kept playing. He is only 30. But, oh yeah, Gabby Agbonahor might be worse. But Gabby Agbonahor was a mediocre player. Jack Wiltshire was a very good player. Um, Wiltshire should play for a few more years. He should play for a few more years. Uh, Right, that'll do, folks. That is me for today. I will see you all tomorrow. Tomorrow's pod might be a little bit different. It'll certainly be a little bit longer. So uh, see you then. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.